Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Kind of Ed Grimble. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi. And uh, he is Richard Cohen. Hello. <laughs> and he was muttering about something when I heard, when I hit record. So I don't know if that will make it or not. But if it does, just know I, I don't know what it is. I, I didn't prove it beforehand. I don't know. Um, all right. So Richard and I are going to talk about a revolution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with this. Unless there's something you want to say about yourself. Do you need to add anything? Okay. I'm just enjoying this glorious day sitting out. This is not a fake background. It looks like a fake, beautiful background. Yeah. Yeah. This is a fake background. (laughs) If that's fake, that's sad. I know. (laughs) To cover up the real. (laughs) No, that's my real uh, husband's side of the office. Um, Okay. So we're going to start with this quote by Angela Davis. And then we'll talk a little bit about Angela Davis. And then we'll jump in. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Angela Davis said, you have to act as if it were possible to radically transform the world and you have to do it all the time. Um, Oh yeah. That, I mean, that hits that, that could be 17 different conversations, honestly, about where we are in the world right now Mm -hmm. and, um, and with each other right now. But, um, but we're going to use it to talk about education, but first let's talk about Angela Davis. Yeah, I mean, people might be thinking she's not an early childhood person. Why is no, the nerd no. using Angela Davis? Because <laughs> she was a badass, is she a badass. Yeah, for anyone um, who doesn't know Angela Davis, she was a um, she was a revolutionary mm-hmm. in the late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. She was uh, a massive feminist, but most importantly, uh, were her battles for civil rights and race. She was a member of the Black Panther for a little while, and um, she scared people. Yeah. And of course, by people, I mean white people. Yeah. Because she was a revolutionary, mm-hmm. and she wa- had a lot to be angry about. And people, yeah. many people were too scared of the image of her to really hear her, the importance of her message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just saw a headline um, and I think it was just from a couple of years ago, but someone had shared a story and the headline was something like Angela Davis still believes we can change the world. Yep. Um, so, you know, we talk about this, this history and I'll, you know, full disclosure, I had to look her up a little bit. I knew who she was, um, but not details. Um, and, and Richard and I talked about it a little before, before we hit record. Um, but it's not just that she was a revolutionary. She is still an activist and a scholar and she's a professor, um, you know, out there, um, uh, still trying to, to, uh, tra- radically transform the world. 
as as this quote says. So, um, in some ways, she's a hero of mine. Yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was a pioneer mm-hmm. as a black person, as a woman at that time. Um, yeah, saying loudly what she said against, mm-hmm. you know, she 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 defines countercultural for me mm-hmm. because she was, you know, railing against uh, predominant culture and mm-hmm. saying, hey, this isn't working. And um, that just took guts. I don't know that I'll ever have. Yeah. And so again, full disclosure, I, um, Richard and I had sort of talked about an idea for a recording. And then this quote came up like a meme on my Facebook, just sort mm-hmm. of totally unrelated. And I thought that connected for me with, with what you had suggested we talk about. Um, but then there was a m- minute where I was like, but wait, she was fighting like really big battles. She's fighting really important um issues and and i I don't know can we connect that to early childhood and i can't believe that thought even crossed my mind because ece or children childhood um i guess is what i want to say is such an important vital part of radically transforming the world for the children in the moment right now that we're working with we can be, you know, we can be trying to radically transform their world, but also if, if we're thinking about, you know, going forward, we have an impact on the kind of, of future um, there is. And I'm not talking about the, you know, $3 future return for every dollar we invest. Now I'm talking about uh, participating in a cultural change um, by our relationships and our caring and our um, work with the, with the children now. Yeah, I would agree. I, uh, you know, I definitely see a connection between, and you know, I, I don't mean to compare us to to her. No. What she did was on such a large scale, on a right. huge scale, and impacted right. so many, and continues to. But she started with what she knew. She she experienced her own inequities um, as a black person, as a female, and and spoke about it. You know, mm-hmm. and we start with what we know, and that's mm-hmm. early childhood. Yeah. And in that sense, we're we're aligned with her. Yeah. So uh, so what do you want to rail about first in terms of radically transforming children's world, our world with children? Well, Heather, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure what to say if you hadn't asked that. Um, no, you know, so... You know, I just want to speak for a moment about kind of my journey in these last few years, really. Well, mm-hmm. across my career, but especially these last few years and how it led me to reaching out to you a couple of weeks ago about this particular podcast. Yeah. Um, I know I, I, I'm going to risk going way back too far. I was born in 1960. 19- no, no. <laughs> um, no, you know, I've been so I've been an early childhood professional for coming on 40 years. And um, I've learned so much and grown so much over that time and come to understand uh, the field that we're in, you know, better with each passing year and watched it, watched the field evolve and grow and change for the better and for the worse. I watched, you know, we watched the influx of no child left behind and what that meant for us mm-hmm. and how that led to um, um, the, our, our, reliance on data gathering. And we've watched the rise of neurology and uh, the nervous system and how that has changed 
uh, what we do uh, in this field. We've watched um, the the possible rise of universal pre-kindergarten and what that could mean for us and the rise of standardization. Yeah. All of these things. We, we need to do other podcasts on all of yeah. Um, and then when COVID hit, that opened up a whole new sort of can of worms for our field, massive challenges. And for me, it put me at home for two years, teaching college from my laptop. And it gave me time to connect with a whole different group of early childhood professionals than I had known before, mm -hmm. starting with you. Oh. And that trend, right? And that transformed my relationship with my profession. Oh. One of the things that you and I can, or one of the people you and I connected with early on was Carol Garboden mm -hmm. Murray and mm -hmm. Illuminating Care, her book. Yeah. And that really, well, it validated and gave words to, to what I had been thinking for so long about the value of care mm -hmm. and the craziness of even yesterday, seeing people disagreeing on online about the difference between preschool teachers and caregivers Jesus, and blah, yeah. blah, blah, you know, and I've been hearing that for 40 years, mm -hmm. but I didn't always have words for it until and a and a way to focus it in my heart and in my in my communication uh, until Carol's book. And it sat with me now for a couple of years, that experience and. Um, so then my thinking has continued to evolve and here's where I'm at. And here's, I feel like what I'm about to say is a revolutionary statement. And I All think right. that's why you picked up upon Angela right. Davis's quote. Yeah. For so long, I've said, I'm an early childhood educator. I am an early childhood education professional. And then for a while after Carol's book, I added a C. I'm an early care early childhood care and education professional. But it's only recently that I have, that I sort of have this epiphany of like, why is the word education even in there, right? We, we bow to the National Association for the Education of right. Young Children. We, we think that the be all and end all of our work of, with little human beings from birth through five, six, or even eight is education. Mm -hmm. It's right there in our job title and it's there in our national association, but it finally hit me earlier and I'll frame it this way only because this is you and, uh, and the, that early childhood nerd podcast. <laughs> so here's how I'll say it. Fuck education. Um, yeah. you know, I just, I, I don't understand. I started to think, why do we even care about education? Why is everything about education? Um, and, and I started thinking, well, you know, there's a whole lot to unpack there around kindergarten readiness, our desire to be teachers and be mm -hmm. paid as teachers and somehow buying this line that our main job is to teach young children, their colors, letters, numbers, and shapes, and a variety of other standardized skills and measure them against those things and all that. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought education, you know, so, so let me go back and say, if you've ever been in one of my audiences for the last 30 years, you, you always hear me say that, that for me, our, the job of the early childhood professional 
is to help children make sense of the world in which they found themselves. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, and yes, the world happens to have letters and colors and numbers and shapes. So that becomes part of our job. But I, I never did it because my goal was to have them learn those things or to be ready for kindergarten. So I needed to focus on them. I did it because it's part of the world and my job is to help them make sense of the world. So the more I think about this word education, there's part of me that still wants to embrace it, but to, but to broaden its meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, one thing, uh, I think childism is the reason we feel like we have to do all these things yeah, to children and we have yep. to change them into something that we can recognize as valuable. Right. Um, and, and one of the most observable, observable things, two of the most observable things that we can change, quote unquote, about them is behavior and rote learning, right? Like we can see their behavior and we can see whether they can rote learn and repeat things to me, right. to us. Um, so that's what all of our work gets centered around <laughs> um, too often. Um, right. And I, I, I call that childism. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing, so this is the other thing that what you just said reminded me of. Wait, um, can, I've, can we go back? Can you hold that thought? Sure, go sure. Just, I've got a note. I, I, I want to, I want to, um, ask you a question to, to flesh out what you just said. Yeah, okay. So when I think of the word, word childism, to me, it's, it's kind of like a, it's a subset of ageism, mm-hmm. right? Which mm-hmm. is um, uh, a bias against a, a, and an oppression of people, a, a, a subset of people based on their age. Mm-hmm. So I wanna come back to this term childism. If you agree with my definition, in what way are children biased against or oppressed by the things you just described? Well, um, I mean, most bias comes from, in in my mind, I'm not an expert, (laughs) Um, but from what I have tried to learn over the last several years about bias, um, it's an assumption that other people are less than, or an assumption that, uh, to be, to be right, to be valuable, you have to be like I am. Um, and, and so I think so much of what we, um, think of as education as early childhood education, school readiness, that's not about the child and what the child needs, deserves, wants. That's about my view that children are only valuable when they meet certain standards. So it's part of standardization too. It's about adult views that um, children are deficits and um, can't be trusted to guide their own learning, make their own choices. Um, They're tabula uh, rasas. Yes. Right? Yeah. That whole sponge bullshit. Right on them. Yes. They're yes. sponges waiting to soak us up. Yeah. Without yeah. us, they would just be dry sponges. Yeah. And I think um, in terms of oppression, and again, I, it's a word I, as a white woman, hesitate to use. Um, but I think when we're talking about what I think of as childism, I mean, just a typical daily schedule in, an, or in, a, in a child care center to me, where we're breaking, we're scheduling out their whole day. We're choosing who they spend their days with. Right. We're choosing um, how long they can spend on 
what, you know, each part of that day, we're choosing when they can meet their bodily needs. We're choosing um, what they can and can't do. And we're deciding what's important. We're choosing um, how they meet their bod- bodily needs, right? Exactly, if right? Through, you've got to be potty trained in order to be in this preschool Right, class. yeah. You may not um, be developmentally ready for it, but we're not here for your development. Exactly. We're here for group care. Yeah, or it's clear group, that you're not you've sleepy, but I'm going to hold you on this cot and keep you on this cot and punish you if you get off this cot because now is sleep time. Like, that's oppression in my mind. That's, mm-hmm. that's um, uh, yeah, that's, that's oppression for yeah. me. And by the way, let me go back. And you said, you said, I hesitate as a white woman to use the word oppression, Mm -hmm. but females have been oppressed since the beginning of time in this patriarchal society. There's that. You can, you get to own the word oppression. (laughs) So let me say as a white straight person, (laughs) let me alter that a little bit. Okay. I'm with you there then. White cisgender. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. But yes, thank you for kind of helping me and got and, me all worked audience. up now. Good, because <laughs> if we're going to be revolutionaries, you got to be worked up. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, but that was helpful, I think. Hopefully, for a lot of your listeners. Yeah, it was helpful for me to be called, to, to be. Yeah, 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 to be asked to extend that. So, thank you. Sure. Um, but the so the other thing I was going to say is that Dan Hodgins used to he and I used to sort of butt heads. Um, bless the man. Yep. Um, because he, he, in kind of what you were saying, and I don't think that he was wrong. I think we were just, were thinking about things differently would say, why does it have to be learning? Why does it have to be, um, you know, when we talk about what children are learning throughout their day and whatever they do is why does it have to be learning? And I think what he was really saying was, why do we feel like we have to get our hands in it and make it about being educational? And, and for me, it's, we know children are learning all the time from every experience they have. And that fits for me with your description of your job being to help them make sense of the world they're in. So, so there is a role that we have in understanding what's important learning for that age or what they're specifically individually trying to figure out. And it's just, um, I, I just think so, so arrogant for any adult to think I know what all children at this level need. And I know when they're doing this, that this is what they're specifically learning. I know when we do group time and they sit quietly and I um, go through the calendar, I, I know that they're learning. Um, and, but when they play, I'm not so sure whether they're learning. That's really just to burn some energy off so I can right. get them to focus for me later. I just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of adult ego. <laughs> that um that I revolt against <laughs> right, right despite having uh being impacted by it myself all the time yep I hear you and I I, I appreciate your revolt You're one of the most <laughs> revolting people I know um yep. wait, that came out wrong yeah no um, did it though <laughs> well that's that's a whole are you just podcast. hiding <laughs> um no but what I will say is one of the many threads in this in this tapestry or whatever yeah. is the greater education system, let's say here in America, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And for better or for worse, and I think you and I agree that it's worse, um, it's so deeply structured that you have to learn these things in kindergarten, or if not, you'll be behind for all the hundred things you have to learn in first grade mm-hmm. and on and on and on through college. 
And so then you have these early childhood people like you and I were talking earlier about the subset of our field that are very powerful and wear suits and ties mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, pearls, not the same people usually right. um, <laughs> up there in Washington, D.C. DC. And, you know, I, I lived there for many years and I worked with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, bless their hearts. They, they want us to be viable and somewhere along the way as a, as a profession. And, and somewhere along the way, they bought into, oh, well, if the public, if the education system has all these things you have to learn mm-hmm. and, and therefore you have to learn these things by kindergarten, then early childhood education mm-hmm. um, has to then teach these hundred things. Yep. Um, otherwise, how will they be ready? And long before I had this sort of epiphany about this word education, which is really just a few weeks, it's just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. I've always felt that our field, our gift to the world um, is uniquely different than, than elementary and secondary education. Mm-hmm. And that it's, it's dangerous and detrimental to compare what we do when we call ourselves quote unquote teachers with, and you've said this before on the show with the people that we remember as teachers Mm -hmm. from elementary and onward. That was a, those, those folks who teach elementary school and middle school and high school have a very specific set of job skills Mm -hmm. and skills and knowledge and dispositions and experience. And, and even within that, the way to teach elementary education is completely different than high school education. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I am just, I want to shout it from the mountaintops even more than I always have for 40 years, which is what we do in this field for human beings in the first five years is a complete orange to those apples. Mm-hmm. We are not teachers. I've always said this, we're facilitators, mm-hmm. but I never really understood that in the context of that word education and how toxic and poison it is poisonous it is to the world of young children and Mm -hmm. the people who serve them Mm -hmm. we need to let go of that we either need to expand that word education to just meaning welcome to life here's what it looks like (laughs) yeah how to get along with people and use your mind and use your heart and yes there's a lot of things that will we need to learn Mm -hmm. our motor skills and all those things sure but I don't, I don't need to teach you any of those things. I need to follow your lead in the first five years of life anyway. Mm-hmm. What is it you need to take the next step in life? You need to be independent. I'm here for that. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. You want to cut with the scissors? Let's do it. I'm here for that. <laughs> but, but that's different than the traditional way we think of that word yeah. education. And Absolutely. I am ready to let go of that. I'm very close to, you know, my social media presence is called Zen and the Art of Early Childhood Education. And I'm very close to just, even though it doesn't, it won't have the, it has the same number of syllables as <laughs> Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. So I've kept it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Original. Sure. Uh, uh, whatever. Um, but um, I just, it's going to be just Zen and the Art of Early Childhood. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even want to utter the E word anymore. Yeah. Because while I understand its value, I live in a world where most people don't. Yeah. I definitely was one of the people who wanted to be called a teacher who really clung to that. 
um, early in my career. And um, as I, you know, so it's what you said when you were talking about Carol's book earlier, the book came out and um, validated the shift that I had experienced myself across, across my time working, doing this work. Um, And I, I don't like to use early childhood education, but I do it because it's what's understood by the audience that I'm usually talking to. And, um, but I, I do that. I was, I was just thinking the other day, like about NACI and uh, when I, I used to get so much from them and I sort of thought, well, NACI has changed, but I think I've just changed and what I need from them is different, but the name itself. Yeah. And you, you said, you know, that it's, it's for the education of young children. It's not for the children. It's for the education of oh. the children. And I think that causes me so much discomfort. Um, yes. I know that causes me so much discomfort. I suggested um, in a uh, uh, curriculum committee meeting at work with other program chairs. Um, I mean, the program that I chair is called early childhood education. So there's times I have to use the right, word. Me too. Um, but I suggested that, you know, they were struggling with what to call the people who do this work. And I said, um, you know, I've sort of been shifting to practitioners while I, I, I I'm not in love with that either, but it, I think for me, it's, it's a little bit, um, I don't know, a little bit different than, than educators or teachers and and several of them said no 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 nacy uses the word educators so we need to use the word educators but but do we (laughs) like (laughs) well let me give a little bit of backstory on that i'm not an expert here but yeah um i i was a chief op or chief operating officer i don't know officer of the council for professional recognition who Uh who who the council the council that administers <laughs> um, the child development associate credential. Yeah, yeah. And they were spun off of NAEYC right. um, in the mid seventies um, for a particular purpose. And so as fate would have it, I got to work with um, the two people or two of the people that gave NAEYC its name back in the early seventies or late sixties and chose mm-hmm those letters and that name for this association. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that time, um, so much, you know, my heart is so in this field and my whole life has revolved around this field, uh, you know, and I I have such love for it and such Mm -hmm. pride in it. Yes. Um, And so um, I understand much of its history. Yeah. And it's always been this, this catch-up game, this be as good as game um, to get the people taken care of, young children, and to get young children the respect that's accorded um, children, kindergarten and older, and mm-hmm. those professionals that serve them. We've been, we've been reaching for that for well over, mm-hmm. you know, for 50 years or more, yeah. wanting that. And so that was part of where that name came from. The other part of that name came from um, a strong presence of people of color in the initial um, formation of NAEYC. Uh-huh. Um, and they wanted those kids, they wanted to give them, uh, you know, the Head Start movement had started in 63. And um, 
many of the people who formed NAEYC were connected with that. And they wanted children of color to get resources and to get uh, an equal start uh, in their, I don't even want to say in their education careers, because Uh that's what I no longer want to say. Airplane? All right. We have a motorcycle. Oh, motorcycle. Even better. We have so many motorcyclists in my little neighborhood. That's wild. Yeah. I live yeah, in a my, circle. My sound diverse dog is not happening. Oh, poor puppy. Yeah, he is. Um, but anyway, that's where that phrase, the National Association for the Education of Young Children, mm-hmm. that's where it started out. Yeah. Was this wanting to be as good as and wanting to make sure that a certain subset of kids got what they needed. And those are both noble sure. goals. Yeah. But it's 2022 and we need to take a cold, hard look, just like our public education system, which is so messed up and so uh, misdirected, mm-hmm. needs a re-envisioning. Yes. So do we. And and I'm taking a stand for it. Mm-hmm. I'm done with, um, you know, uh, kneeling at the shrine of education and thinking that's the be all end all children Mm -hmm. when they are with me and with any great early educator they will learn to read and write and count and all those things they'll learn their names and their address and they'll learn wonderful things like patterning and sequencing and predictions Mm -hmm. i'm ready to let go of the word curriculum yeah yeah i mean unless unless that every unless everyone in the conversation agrees that it just means a knowledge of how children learn and 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 a knowledge of how we can set that up you know or provide for that i guess is better what i want to say but yeah i'm i have a hard time with that one too it's um i don't know i think when we talk about curriculum it's too easy to fall into packaged products Right. Um, which I, um, I guess I haven't been clear enough on the podcast about how much shit I think that is because I keep getting emails from people wanting to come on the show and sell their curriculum packages. <laughs> oh, you've been clear. They just, they just aren't really listening. Their own profit and power. Yeah. Because when yeah. you, when you, t- when you bring up the package curriculum, it's important for everyone listening you know, I just think in anything in this world, if you're trying to understand, so you see something in the world and you think, huh, wonder why that's happening. Your yeah. first step is to follow the money. Yep. Always. And then there's other ways you can look at it, but start mm-hmm. there in a capitalist society. Yeah. Start there. Yeah. And so it's important, to, I think, for your listeners, for all of us to know that um, there are people who are profiting yeah. from the word curriculum and the word education and who benefit from those terms right. being in place and powerful. And I, I think I wanna, um, this has been mentioned multiple times on the show too, but when we talk about curriculum, of course, the idea of it having to be evidence-based comes up. And it's really easy for a curriculum company to get evidence that you know their product does what it says it's gonna do. What people don't think about is, is that end goal important and valuable and appropriate you know, no one's, no one's including that in their research-based evidence-based claims. Like, so like zoophonics, for example, okay, can say that they have evidence that um, children will be able to recognize all the letters after they learn this song and these animal names. 
Um, but but there's no conversation in there about whether a three-year-old needs that yet. Right. Um, or whether it's appropriate to expect that. Even if you could get them to do it, is it appropriate? And is it fair? And Amen. is it childhood? Um, and, and for well, me- that's a, that's a tricky one. That's also, is it what tricky? Childhood is tricky? The meaning of childhood has changed many times over the centuries. There's sure. no one right definition of it. Sure, that's I true. have mine and I want to believe it's the right definition. Right, yeah, but, I tend to talk about childhood more often than I talk about early childhood settings or early childhood education, like when I'm talking to my students. Right. Um, but yeah, it means for me something very specific, which is sort of which freedom and play. <laughs> and innocence, to a certain and, extent. Yeah, to a certain extent, yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, that is an important uh, piece to pull out of it. Well, I saw a social media post yesterday that again bless their hearts there's all these you know the road to hell and i feel like yeah i'm getting we're more there and more clear that we're there <laughs> our field is there um and more now more so with these covid years than anything else my just my heart breaks for our fellow early childhood professionals but mm -hmm. in any case i saw the social media post that was reminding people that um now that you've learned about phonemic awareness and you know how important that is in early childhood did you know about syntactic awareness? Mm, I think that I may have seen the same Did post. You? Yeah, that sounds really familiar. Well, and my immediate, I had to look to see who posted it. Uh -huh. And I'm like, an early child, it's something, something early childhood. I don't even know. Yeah. Yes, that's important for elementary school, right? Mm -hmm. But ages zero through four, maybe five, that is not what we should be focusing on. Mm -hmm. If a child's ready for that, sure, I'm yeah. there for you. Yeah. You want to learn how to sound out words? You want to read? You want to write? I'm right there. Let's do it. Yeah. If that is not your interest, I am not going to carve out time every day to mm -hmm. force that on you. Mm -hmm. That's not what the first five years are for. Right. Right. Uh, which is why I love the zero to three critical competencies for infant toddler educators there. I'll throw that in because um, they By do the, it's zero to three. Oh, zero to three. I, yeah. I thought you were talking the ages, not the. Organism. No, 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 no. That's the yes. they. That's one of their their training yes. curriculum. Zero to three is one I of the great train. Remains one of the great organizations yeah. in our field. Yeah, um, agree. I, yeah, I, I mean, not just because I work for them now, but, yeah. <laughs> but also just the um, they do good stuff. Um, but I, mean, I remember in my years in D.C., and I would say to people like in a whispered voice, "I keep budding. I keep coming upon corruption." in the mm. field of early childhood education and these weird, like what is happening? Surely in not. The, like all these organizations, one after the other, cause I worked, I worked for a few and people would say, you know, the best one here in DC is zero to three. They're the oh. only ones that never got corrupted. Yeah, well, that's and, great. Uh, then I had to kind of really look at it and go, oh, I see that. I see in what they're putting out and how yeah. they structure their organization yeah. and, and how they live their values. Yeah. Zero to three is I'm all about zero. To three. Okay, good. Now that we've put that commercial in there. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, God. You might have to keep talking because I just forgot. You were talking what I was about the, that's why you love the competency standards, was because, oh, just because it's, 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 um, it covers language literacy, it covers cognitive development and social emotional development, but it's not focused on things to do to children. It's, it's each piece has observable skills on the part of the adult that will 
sort of foster a child's development in those areas. So it's really focused on what do we know about development? And so then what kinds of adult behavior um, and knowledge can sort of support that? And it's not, um, it's not, here's your empty, here's your dry sponge. (laughs) Um, Here are the things you need to fill it with, if that makes sense. It's, it does to um, me. Yeah. So I just, I feel like we could use more of that. Well, and I think, I think I'm, what I'm going to say connects to what you just said. Even I, I if think it one, doesn't. Okay. <laughs> I think one of the, one of the problems we have is that we conflate st- standards, which I'll call academic standards uh-huh. and developmental milestones right. as being synonymous. And there is value in understanding typical child development and the milestones that, that, are, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, are spread throughout it mm-hmm. so that we can identify um, if a child is not developing typically and either needs extra, well, and needs extra supports, either mm-hmm. because they're, they're quote unquote behind in their development or because they're far ahead and we don't want them to be understimulated. Mm-hmm. Knowing develop, developmental milestones is important mm-hmm. for us, for the people in our field. But um, that's different than child should know how to fo- how to follow a two-step direction by this age yeah and they should know um how to write their name yeah it's yeah so, yeah. so I, this is sort of an example that i was i was just thinking about this the other day so i used to work <clears throat> at purdue um with their speech language hearing department and one of the things that i learned that of course i had sort of intuitively had floating around but one of the things that I learned is that developmentally speaking from a from a development of speech sounds perspective there are some letters sounds that we just don't expect until four or five and we don't consider it late or a delay until after that and so then I started thinking about how we do um, literacy in early childhood settings and we're focus so much on speech sounds when that's not a realistic expectation at some of the ages we're expecting it. Like if the, I can't remember the details, but like if um, uh, L is one of the later developing speech sounds, but we're expecting this three-year-old and measuring this three-year-old by how well they can make an ol sound when we hold up the L flashcard or the zoophonics animal, whatever that um, animal is. But we haven't taken into consideration that that's not even typically to be expected for some children until much later. You know, it's sort of just I was thinking about it in terms of the the disconnect we have between standards and outcomes and um, sort of the developmental timelines that we that we have. Right. It would be like it's like holding a, a 10 month old baby up on his feet who hadn't shown any signs of standing alone yet saying, well, in the toddler room, you get, you have to walk. You can't move up to the toddler room till you can take three unassisted steps. So I'm going to hold you up and let you go until you do it mm-hmm. until you do it. Um, people would or think I'm that was ridiculous. Jolly jumper for hours. Well, that, thinking, yeah. Oh, your, your, your vertical and your little feetsies are touching the ground. Yeah. So I'm helping you get ready to walk. Right. Without understanding anything about core development and spine development. Right. And, um, and just 
the the typical path of supporting yourself in that position. Um, but uh, I don't know, for some reason, academically, physically, maybe we think, okay, yeah, that is still sort of a silly expectation. But academically, it's harder to get people to stop and think, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, well, you know, speaking of E words, like education. Yeah. I would put expectation mm-hmm. in that same category. You know, uh, um, what is the value of me expecting things of young children? <laughs> Isn't my job to invite rather than expect? Yeah. Like I can, I can, dem- we can do phonemic awareness activities, fun ones that get them to practice the l sound. Yeah. But I don't have any expectation that they'll learn it or that they have to learn it by a certain age. Mm -hmm. We're just playing. And right now we're playing with sounds. And yeah, I'm very well aware that that's uh, a great foundational piece for their literacy development. But I don't, but what I got to, what I'm like now committed to letting go of is not only education, but expectations. Mm -hmm. You're you're just showing up because your mom or dad made you be here. And are paying to put you here while they go to work. Right. Or whatever, right? right. You know, I have a job description and I'm a professional. So my boss does have expectations of me that I have to meet. Uh-huh. But I'm an adult and they're an adult. And um, okay, I can grasp that you things that you have ex- expectations for my job to, for me to get that money. Uh-huh. But that two year old, they're just there because somebody put them there. Yeah. And now because they love me or they love you. Who am I to expect things of them? Right? Yeah. I, no. My job yeah. is to invite them on a on adventures, to follow them in their adventures. Um, and and I just take the leap of faith that all sorts of learning happens throughout all of that. Mm-hmm. And less of it happens if I try to control it based on my expectations. Mm-hmm. I'm done with it. Yeah. I'm done, I tell you, I'm done. Okay. I am. I, this is my revolution. <laughs> this is my Angela Davis moment. All right. Now, now okay. that doesn't sound good as a, as a white person. I won't say that. Yeah. But okay. it is, it, but yeah. it is for me. You should feels be ashamed of yourself. Putting aside Angela Davis. <laughs> yeah. It does feel revolutionary to mm-hmm. say, no, after 40 years in this field, I'm done with the word education. I'm mm-hmm. done with expectations. That is not what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Done. All right. We're here for caring. We're here for relationships. We're here for play, mm-hmm. discovery. Everything mm-hmm. I've learned and everything that I've studied in terms of the research says that's the most important things. Whether I care about the brain or whatever it is I care about, those are the things that's, that give me the most bang for my buck. Yeah, yeah. I, and what's frustrating for me is though that all those things you mentioned I'm, I'm, I'm hundred percent on board, but, pe- but people, because we're good at euphemisms in our field, will take discovery and think, oh, well, that means learning. And so that means I have to teach or um, right. play well. Okay. But I'm still in charge. Right. <laughs> um, I can call it play because I, you know, use teddy bear counters and a colorful mat instead right. of a worksheet. Um, Play-based learning. Fuck mm-hmm. play-based. Yes. Learning. Yeah. Yeah. You, you play, you learn. <laughs> It'll all happen. 
Yep. But no, I'm not going to do my teddy bear counters and tell people here we do play based learning. Yeah. No, we just play and we trust that means they're going to learn. Yeah. Have no. you ever seen have you ever seen kids use those counting bears spontaneously? Sure, we did all the like time a, in my class. like a math kind of thing. I mean, yeah. like I've only ever seen them come in as Play-Doh props or as things to pack and tote around or to drive around <laughs> or to put in water, but I've never really seen any kids sit down with like the the set that's on my shelf that has the the little maps and the counting bears and things to like the discovery or the discount school supply kind of set up just sitting on my shelf. Yes. Well, all these decades later, I'm still a giant proponent for interest areas or interest centers Mm -hmm. in a classroom. And Mm -hmm. I always had a math center. Yeah. And those bear counters sat there along with pattern cards to put those bears on Uh or addition cards right? Put three red ones here and two yellow ones. And how many then do you have as your total? Yeah. The difference is whole group and small or individual group. And choice for me. Right. The autonomy of the child. I had kids who wanted to go. So that meant that in circle time before play around the room time or interest center time, I said, Hey, we got these bears here. Um, you know, and these are, I like to do this and I make patterns and uh-huh. I'm learning about numbers too. Uh-huh. And be over here if you want to do it. Sure. And there's always a subset of kids who want to do it in September and maybe some different ones in April, uh-huh. but they choose it. Yeah. It's not me saying everyone sit down and use these bear cards. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also still a proponent of interest areas for different reasons, uh, different well, reasons than, you know, to, to prove learning or to, you know, oh, whatever yeah. from it's, that's a whole other episode probably i have no idea how long we've been talking i think it's tomorrow <laughs> I, I don't know how long we've been talking. all right um it's been a while <laughs> right. so um i think your declaration of being done can be a good stopping point i feel like us. this is how a lot of my dates end like all of a sudden the <laughs> other person says you know i think we've been here a long time this and feels like long time <laughs> and then i never see them again this is just, it's bringing back some traumatic memories. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Well, you it's can keep right. talking. No, no. You look really different than all the men I've dated. So it's all right. <laughs> okay, perfect. Actually not with that I hair. I will have anyway. to try harder. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This was just very up fun. with the revolution. Anyone who wants to join me. Yeah. Um, and just let go of education and expectation. I'm here for it. Uh-huh. And I'll yell it from the rooftops if, and you can come join me. Yeah. That sounds great. Perfect. Um, and uh, that's another episode then of that early childhood nerd. Thanks, Richard. This was fun. I, um, uh, as always, uh, kind of hope it gets canceled like all my recording sessions. <laughs> but then once I'm here, I have a great time. So thanks for um, uh, hanging in. I think we've tried to have this conversation four or five times since we, we have. Thank you for not canceling scheduling. it. Five. No, I, like I said, I always. Uh, I know. Uh, I go in hoping the other person cancels and then I'm always glad they didn't. Um, the nerd right. self wins out. And yes, I, and exactly. I that. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so let's be done. All right. <laughs> All right bye, bye, everybody. Everyone. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.